Secret Shuffles. And welcome back to The Secret Circle with me, Luke Deckard, the podcast where I chat with authors, filmmakers, musicians, and more about the art of their craft and let you in on some of their secrets. Uh, today's guest is WGA writer Brooks Elms. Brooks is a screenwriter, independent filmmaker, and a life coach for writers. His speciality is grounded personal characters and writing story with tension so thick it knots your stomach. He's written over 25 screenplays, plus a dozen of them on assignment, and has sold several scripts. Basically, he knows what he's talking about, and I'm excited to talk with him about screenwriting uh, today. So without further ado, let's bring in Brooks. Uh, Brooks, welcome to The Secret Circle. Thank you. I feel welcome, and I'm excited to be here. Good. I'm, I'm, I'm glad I'm really, I'm really chuffed that we've been able to kind of connect and, and bring you on. Um, I love, I love, you know, chatting with fellow writers who are in all, you know, different, different stages of their, um, you know, their careers and, and, you know, lives and, and stuff like that. So this is really fun. Um, so let's, what I what let's kick off first with talking about, um, your, your role as a life coach for writers. Cause, um, we were mentioning kind of off, um, before we were recording kind of what that, what that means. Um, and I think it'd be interesting for, for listeners to sort of also understand and, and, and better detail what that means. What does it mean to be a life coach for, for writers? Uh, I love that question. The, the main thing with like life coaching in general is like, you've got a life, <laughs> you have a coach helping you with that life. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's almost like it's just two brains working on one set of problems. And um, yeah. it's, it's, it's a wide open field and it's actually really pretty awesome, especially when you get coached by really good people. It makes a massive difference. Um, and it's really cool, too, because it's anywhere from like free to like a million dollars and, and yeah. you can structure it. And as long as you're getting more than you pay, it can be a really good deal. And there's people mm. that, that pay all sorts of money for it. Um, on the, on the uh, learning the craft of writing side, um, I, I was teaching at UCLA Extension and mm. teaching is really um, was satisfying because at that point I'd already written, I don't know, 35 scripts or, or more or something. And I was like, well, how do I, how am I doing what I'm doing and how can I explain it in a way that's as helpful as possible in a formal setting? And I did that for a few years and I was like, that was, it was, it was great. Um, but then I also had this background of personal growth. And so, um, which just meant that like, you know, men's groups and like, you know, I was actually a certified massage therapist when I first got to LA. <laughs> like, I just love personal exploration of, I had a really amazing, intense therapist in my twenties. So like, I've mm -hmm. always been into personal growth. And then after a couple of years teaching formally uh, at UCLA extension, I was like, well, hold on a second. There's 30 students in a class and like, uh, or 20. Um, I was like really connecting with like two or three and the rest was just mm. fine. I was like, what if I just work with those people? Um, mm. And then I was like, oh, I kind of actually been sort of training to be a life coach for 20 years. <laughs> and, then, you know, <laughs> and I was like, well, why don't I just be a life coach for a screener? And then what I realized was like, oh, that's actually really awesome. So all the things I liked about helping other people with their own life mm. um, and what I could do as a professional screenwriter, I could yeah. teach them. So, so it's basically the, the craft stuff is like the starting point. Like I can help them develop a new TV show or, or, or feature at a professional level, mm -hmm. but really it's an excuse to go deeper. Like what's like, what's your life purpose? Why are you here? What's going on? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and it's one, one interesting distinction for people that are new to life coaching, like therapy is sort of like, Ooh, I got to like get stuff together so I can manage my life. 
life coaching kind of takes up where therapy leaves off for the most part, where it's like looking forward, how do you go from good to great or great to like phenomenal or phenomenal to like yeah. legendary world-class. And so yeah. just, just about where you are. I love that. I'm, I'm curious, like when, with, with kind of that in mind, how, how do you, how do you work with, with writers in terms of, in terms of kind of fusing, you know, life coaching with, with, helping them, you know, sharpen, sharpen their craft and sharpen them as a writer. Cause I mean, you know, uh, writers, our identity is, is so wrapped up in, in, in that. I mean, that is, that is who we are. We're storytellers. It's not, um, you know, there's some people who they have their day job and that's kind of not really who they are, um, in, in some sense. Um, whereas I think with, with other people there, you know, and I think particularly with writers, we are the writer first, even if that's not our day job kind of thing. Um, so yeah, so how do you how do you approach that with someone and, and sort of help them come to terms with with who they are as a writer, help them like build them up as a writer, um, and kind of yeah, you know, mold that in with 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 general life coaching. It's a great question, and and one of the things I definitely do well, I always meet people where they're at, right? Because mm. we're all on a discovery journey, right? Um, yeah. We'll have insights. And then um, life happens and then more insights and life happens. And we're kind of learning some of the same patterns, just in deeper, deeper ways. Myself, all of mm -hmm. us, it's part of being human, right? So um, I try to meet people exactly where they're at. Yeah. Um, and so everybody has a sense of their identity. Um, and uh, I've actually found it's generally more helpful for writers to not identify as a writer. It's, 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 more satisfying approach to life in my own experience and in the people that I coach to be a human being who writes as opposed to a writer. Yeah. And the reason is um, the business is inherently a roller coaster. You, yeah. There's going to be hot periods and cold periods and hot periods and cold periods. And so if I'm identifying as a writer, mm. who the F am I when my, when I'm in a cold period, I'm, I'm sure, nothing. Yeah. And that is yeah. really dangerous. Um, yeah. It's also equally sort of dangerous or just emotionally unstable to be like, oh, I'm in a hot period. Look at me, blah, blah, blah. You know, So yeah. like, either one <laughs> is really it, it's really a distraction from what we really want to do most, which is show up and create and have good relationships and, and, and yeah. entertain the hell out of the audience. I mean, that's that's the deepest core. And yeah. um, that is it's deeper than the identity of a writer. And so yeah. the, a way one other way to think about it is. When somebody's identifying as a writer, they're riding the roller coaster of their career and they're usually white knuckling it and they're it's it's, it's difficult. Yes. The, the better way to do it is to to stand right next to the roller coaster so you're separate. Your feet are firmly on the ground. Right. And you're like, I'm just I'm cool, whatever happens. You go, Oh, look, my career's taken off. This is awesome. Oh, my career took a turn. <laughs> now it's going down. Oh, it's going back <laughs> up again. Oh, there's a loop. Like then you're enjoying the whole thing and you're hearing the screams. Yes. You're you're part of it, but you're not riding the ride because it's yes. it's too much. It's you don't need that much effing excitement. You want a sort of steady, boring, yes. blissful awesomeness of a life. Yeah, yeah, I get, yeah. That's interesting. It's very perspective focused, isn't it? Because yeah, if you're if you're looking at the roller coaster rather than being on that, if you're on the roller coaster, you really can't see anything. You're just like, what the shit's happening? But if you're if you're back and you can take in that whole picture, that that's fascinating. I love that. I love and and, that. And, if, and I can tell you how it happened because personal experience. Like I've mm. I've you know I've made all the mistakes, some of them several times, and one <laughs> of them was this idea that like, oh, I'm gonna get to that professional level, 
mm. got signed by the be best spec sales uh, agent in, in Hollywood. And I was like, it was great. Like get the wheelbarrow. <laughs> it's going to be a pile of money on me separately. Yeah. That's not how, it's not how it works. You yeah. know, there's, again, there's, there's hot a listers. Everybody gets hot, hot periods, cold periods. Yes. Um, if you are Tom Cruise, right, uh, <laughs> he has 20 projects in development or whatever, and he gets to choose obviously what he wants to do and when, but like it's, it's a, there's too many variables for anybody to really have it completely solved. So yes. what I try to do is say, Hey, plan for an existence that mm. is an agile reaction to the variables that are, I haven't solved yet. Like I've solved a lot of stuff, a lot of difficult yeah. problems, but there's, but packaging is a really tricky one. And um, yeah. so the, so the rate of things getting set up is, you know, but I can get like, if you follow my systems, you will write at the professional level. If you've got the real chops, like you're really serious yeah. about it. Right. Yeah. Um, but you follow my systems, you will write at the professional level and you will get producers attached. Like to me, that's like, I don't guarantee it, guarantee it. But like, if you don't, it's because you haven't shown up to the gym. Like I can get you the six pack abs. You got to right. show up to the gym <laughs> and I have fun ways to yes. do it. So you want to work out, but like it, like yeah. it's, it, it, it's a lock if you show up. Um, yeah. getting it produced is, you know, I mean, it's where I'm at in my own career. I've got, I've sold a lot of stuff, but my stuff hasn't quite gotten produced and I'm in the process yeah. of solving that too, but I'm still in the process. Yeah. I think what does this, another interesting point is, you know, there, I, you know, I, I know other, other writers and I, who in kind of in that same situation where, yeah, they've, they've sold, they've sold stuff, but the, once you get it sold, getting it produced is very, is very difficult. So that's a whole nother kind of beast to be to be uh, battling with if, if, if i can jump in quick i you may. I, I would in, invite you not to say it's difficult i would ah. say because that's 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 a more of a disempowering way to, to, to right. frame it it's it's a situation where we have limited control mm. right so uh great you know i've got i've got projects oscar-winning producer attached a-listers yeah. like that and it's still they they're just there's, there's so many moving parts yeah. That, um, and there's, and there's like, you know, I can be involved in the packaging process or not. I get those choices. Yes. Um, and if I'm involved, then I'm part of the team that's packaging it and, and doing strategy, but there's still a process. And, and, and so yeah. there's, there, again, there's are things that we're doing. Like I'm like the, the one thing I'm doing next to, to, to again, tilt the odds in my favor is, is yeah. direct audience building because you have the mm -hmm. internet. You can have a podcast, you can have whatever you can build yeah. your audience before um, you actually, you know, uh, you know, create a movie or whatever. So that's really the next yeah. step. And I feel like that's a winnable game. And I'm in the process mm. of really making that system. Everything I do is systematic. So actually, if right. there's anybody watching this that's, that likes sort of the way I think about things, um, I'll, I'll give you a link where you can really focus on the, on five different systems of your of your writing career. And they're really simple ways of just rating yourself on a scale of one to 10. How good am I at knowing my superpower at, you know, at, um, at having like a social network that supports me and blah, blah, blah. There's yes. five of them really simple. It's free, but it'll give you a sense of how I see that, you know, like if you're evaluating yourself and you're like two to 10 on all those things, it's very unlikely you're going to be selling a script for significant money. Right. Uh, I like to see the people that I work with up at like, you know, nine out of 10 on average, you know, and when yeah. you're doing that, it's, in, it's inevitable. You're going to, again, there's, there's all these different things that are variables that are out of our control yeah. and there's things that were, are in our control. So that, that, yeah. that free system evaluation, you know, is, is a great way to go. Oh yeah. I didn't realize. Yeah. I totally can control this. Um, 
one other other quick thing about this idea of is it difficult or do we phrase it frame it differently? There was mm. a great um, uh, basketball coach uh, in, at UCLA for many years, this guy John Wooden. He at one point his teams won ten out of twelve NCAA championships in men's Dang. college basketball, which is one of the most competitive sort of yeah. you know, there's thousands of these teams. He won ten yeah. out of twelve, and. Jeez. One of the things he would do, he was, they called him the wizard of Westwood. He was a guy who was a legend. He was amazing. <laughs> and he was, and partly he was, it wasn't about basketball. It was about beyond. He was teaching them mm. to be human beings in the community that were amazing through the game of basketball. And one of the things yeah. he would do on the very first practice where you're like, oh my God, this guy's a legend. One of his championships, he would say, okay, everybody sit down, take out socks. And here's how you put your sock on. You roll it up like this. Ah. And they're like, what, what yeah. you want? But, but here was a point. If you don't do something as simple as roll your sock up, which is a hundred percent in your control to do it right. You mm -hmm. might throw it on quickly and get a wrinkle that could create a blister. And that blister is a distraction in the game. And he was like, I'm minimizing all the effing distractions. Wow. That's, that's what I'm talking about. So that's what I like to do as, as, as a coach of writers. I, I like to get specific on things that really do matter. Yeah. Um, and, and partly because it was so subtle, he did it yeah. first to kind of just send a message, I think. Um, yes. But like, yes. But like, there's a lot of stuff we can't control. And, and it seems like we might call it difficult. But that's why we want to really focus on what is on our control, what really does make the difference. And yeah. when you do that, the, the odds actually bend in your favor. Yeah, I love that. That's actually really cool and, and clever and an interesting way to sort of yeah, get get everyone on the same page. I love that. I love that. Um, so more more sort of about about you, Brooks, as a as as a writer. Something I like to ask um all the writers who I who I who I bring on my podcasts, um wh why do you specifically write or feel the need or compulsion to write? Oh, you know, it's a basic question, but I don't um yeah, I, I really, really appreciate that question. Um, I write as an extension of how I think. Mm. And when I was making movies with my friends in like high school, mm. we were like, hey, let's do this karate movie. And, and it was fun. It was best idea wins. And it was there was a social aspect of it. And it was it was a, it was a group creative activity, and that was fun to be part of that group and make this movie. And then it was really effing fun to show that movie to another friend. Um, I specifically, he literally fell out of the chair laughing at this movie. I was like, oh my god, that that part was almost as fun as you know, it was just as fun as making the movie. So like, I was hooked from an yeah. early age. And then I went to NYU Film School, and <laughs> where I quickly learned that like you know my favorite movie at the time was. Uh, one of my favorites was uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme's Bloodsport. And I was about the only one at NYU <laughs> Film School. And I, like, what? How come you guys don't like Bloodsport? But I, there's layers <laughs> and there's levels. And so I was like, okay. Yeah. And then um, I had some personal stuff in my life. My dad yeah. wasn't around as much. And then he died when I was 17. And I was trying to make sense of that, my own mortality and my own yeah. sort of experience of abandonment with my dad. At the same time, I was learning about deeper ways of, creating films and thinking about films and, and getting film literature. Why are people talking about Scorsese or Kubrick or whatever? And not, you know, I don't even know who directed <laughs> Bloodsport. And, um, and, and, and I just started getting a depth and understanding yeah. of that way. And so then writing became a way of making sense of what was 
hurting you know, mm. for me. What, what, how was I struggling? How was I, you know, I had some relationships that were good and some that were, that weren't as, as yeah. sort of balanced or strong. How come? And I was drawn mm. to that in such a deep way. And um, writing helped me make sense of it. And then mm. I learned over time that when I'm at my best as a writer or when I'm coaching somebody and they're at their best, it's, we're writing something, we're writing about some sort of life lesson for ourselves and also like for the next person that's kind of like in that situation. Mm. Um, and so to me, that's partly why being a life coach for, for writers mm. feels, um, it feels the same as when I write. Like when I write a yeah. story, I feel like I'm actually coaching the audience through this yes. sort of parable. Um, and when I work with somebody one-on-one, -on -one, I just zero in on where they are in their life. And I just try to help them one significant step forward. Often it, the deeper stuff is more impactful, but yeah. you know, it's whatever they're ready to sort of face. Yeah. Oh, I, I love that. I, I think that's a really great, a great kind of, yeah, understanding of why, why you're right. I, that's, that's quite, it's really good. Um, I'm also curious about voice um, and writers finding their voice. I think sometimes that can be really tricky and really difficult. I remember, um, I remember doing doing my masters several years ago. Um, my the, the 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 lecture in the room. We were you know everyone brought in some work and we were you know reading it and critiquing it and all that kind of stuff. And the 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 lecturer you know was reading mine and he's like I he was you know I'm reading this this is good this is fun da 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 da. He's like but I'm I'm waiting to read you know a Luke Deckard story, like I you know I'm waiting like this is this is good but I'm I'm waiting for you like where where are you on the you know where are you on the page, yeah. and that really sort of hit me and it took me a while to sort of reevaluate myself and my writing kind of channel my voice and sort of instead of like imitating people who I like and stuff like that. So <clears throat> a question for you then is, is how, how did you find your voice as a writer, as, as a director? Um, was, and was that, was that difficult? It's a great question. So the way I found mine was sort of what I said before. I was, I was making sense of some significant personal challenges in my life at a time when I was surrounded by all these wonderful film geeks that were saying, look, these are the movies that like we are really excited about. These other ones we aren't. And the ones that they were all more excited about have F in depth. You right. know, I, I didn't always agree with everything, but there was layers. They were saying something about life. And so the nexus of me sorting out my own life problems and you know, movies that, that my film school buddies were really into, I was like, oh, you can actually go to really deep personal places. Um, mm. And so I, you know, my, the, the senior thesis film that I made for NYU was basically the conflict that I had <laughs> my previous year. So I went home from NYU, like my junior year or whatever, and I, I, I fell in love with this woman and she was wonderful. And um, I was like, it's great. I, like I, I was one of those guys that had really close friendships. My dad wasn't around. And so my family kind of became my friends in some ways. Yeah. So I had really tight friendships. And I went to college, fell in love with this woman, had a really tight romance. And I was like, this is gonna be great. I'm like, my college girlfriend and my buddies. And it was oil and water because you know I, I just did different things. They didn't get along. And I was yeah. really, it was really painful for me to try to be kind of stuck in the middle of these two sort of sets of people that I loved so much, this woman and the guy. So like, then I was, and to try to make sense of that, I went and made, that was the, the my senior thesis film. It was basically this guy that 
brings his college girlfriend home and has this terrible mm. decision where he feels like he's stuck in the middle. Um, and it won, won an award at NYU and this and that. So yeah. I was, so my voice kind of came from that. It was, it was really just trying to make sense of things and also going, well, they're saying, and, and, and they were right. It wasn't like they were going, Hey, you know, we're not, you know, like, like, you know, blood sports fine, but like, we like these other ones. And I was and, and I, I wasn't like, you know, I, I still like Bloodsport for what it is, but I just realized that you can like a really interesting thing is is sort of like if you look at Rocky, the original and Bloodsport, mm. they're both stories about guys fighting. But Rocky is also this really beautiful drama, you know, so you can just yes. under, you can just appreciate it on a couple of different levels. So once I really understood that, I was like, oh, that's that's awesome. So understanding the levels of my own life, understand the levels in, in some movies that people were like, these these ones are really pretty exciting to us. That's how I was able to find my voice. And I was doing very personal dramas. I, the summer after I left NYU, I, I, I made a movie about the guys on my NYU soccer team and how we were painfully mediocre. <laughs> we weren't great. <laughs> we weren't terrible. It was like a hangout film. It was kind of like uh, Days Confused for uh, a, a, a Division Three college soccer team. Um, and it was great for what it was. And um, But it definitely gave me a sense of voice. But I really wasn't getting the attention from Hollywood. So... Um, later in my career, what I realized I could do those personal characters. And if I lean into a genre like thriller or crime thriller or something like that, I could do the character work that I love to do. Um, and then also just express it in a way that was the broader audience could really appreciate. Um, so, and that's what I did. So, so the first thing I sold was like, a was, it was an alien invasion film, oh. but it was, um, very very grounded characters i mean it was a super you know it, it plays out like a like a shooter event or like a terrorist attack i mean it's really grounded and gritty um because that was what i was interested in. when the producer first came to me he was like hey he's like because i was pitching him to get involved with this other thing and he was like no no, no write me like a genre movie i was like oh i don't like <laughs> genre movies <laughs> and i was like well hold on a second there's some genre movies i really love yeah you know so what if um what if I find my voice inside of a, of a genre and that's how I did it. So, awesome. so, so I love that question for me. So that's how I did it personally. But when I coach somebody else, I have an even more efficient way of doing it. Um, I have okay. actually a whole nine steps, nine step system. And step mm. one is basically listing your favorite films and your favorite shows. And then I have a mm. conversation with you about why you love the favorites. And then I, it's really easy. I've been doing it for so long. I can find the connective tissue. And I can find like you, Luke, are an absolute world class expert on your favorite 10 films and shows because yeah. you could have seen it at your age. You you might have seen 10,000 movies and that's of 100,000 you could have cho chosen from like movies, TV shows from the whole history of cinema and TV. There's 100,000 hours of options, maybe more. Right. You've, mm. you've actually seen, let's say, 10,000 and of the 10,000, you isolated to 10 films, 10 shows. Dude, that is your creative DNA. And when yeah. you sit with me and you tell me why you love those things, because you might have a couple on the list that are on my list too, but we might love them for different things. When I get that list and I get why you love it, that tells me with laser precision what your superpower is. Right. And then that's step one. And then step two, I go from that place. What is, what are you called to write next at this point? You're, and, and so it's all very precise and like everything people write, is so sing in my programs are so singular to them because of mm. this very specific step-by-step -step process. Yeah. I love, I love that. I think that's uh that sounds like it's such a cool 
uh, being able to to look at the, someone's films and TV shows and then pinpoint that, I, I think that's awesome. Um, I'm like thinking, oh, I should do that myself. Um, <laughs> I think it'd be, I think it'd be yeah. pretty cool, man. Well, look, you can you can, you can get it in my book. My my book's seven bucks. Um, I'm not here trying oh, to yeah. sell myself, yes. guys, but, but I'm, I'm yes. just saying I, I have a book. It's seven dollars, and it's and it and just you know for, it, it goes through the whole nine step process, so you can do it on your own. And yes. if you, uh, yeah. And if you, if you, and it actually comes with a bunch of bonuses. One of them, like you these follow-up emails that say, Hey, are you reading it? What's going on? Cause, cause what happens is, you know how it is. We buy a book, we're like, Oh, it yes. sounds great. And then we never read it or whatever. So like this is the way to, yes. to kind of go, Hey, you know, look, and you don't want to read it. It's fine. But like, it's uh, an extra reminder of, of good energy. Like, oh, I like that guy. I like this book. So yeah. It, it can help you. And it's, it, it's a straightforward system. That, that was the whole thing with me. Cause like, you know, I went to NYU film school. I did Bob McKee's seminar. I did, I mean, I did all these different systems and yeah. things because I loved it. I was fascinated with it. And when I came around to teaching it myself, I took the best bits from all these other things and my own personal experience actually selling, selling scripts. And, um, mm. you know, and I was like, oh, here's a specific way that I know that I, it works for me. And I've sold scripts using the system and I teach yeah. it to other people. So it, it works. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. And, and I, I'm assuming you, you you can grab this book off your website, correct? Yeah, I'll give you or a is it be Cool, cool, cool. And yeah, I'll make I mean, sure all I these... Had it, I had it on Amazon for a bit, but it's it's better to get through my website. If you get through my website, you can yeah. you get the, the follow-up emails. So. Yeah, 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 cool, cool, cool. Yeah, I'll make sure, though, there will be links for the for listeners. There will be links in, in the description for for all, all this stuff, just just so you know. Actually, one more thing, just so that I'm not like just plugging my own stuff, you no, plug away, buddy. <laughs> any system, <laughs> you can use any system, guys. Like I figured it out. I tried a bunch of different things, but Blake Snyder's Save the Cat system was really instrumental for me, totally revolutionary for me. Yes. Some people hate him. Some people love him. I, I loved him. I actually took his weekend seminar with him before when he was alive. He was amazing. Um, yeah. So like it doesn't have to be my system or Blake's system or whatever, but like what I, what I warn anybody who's listening to this, who's kind of, you know, hasn't quite figured it out or somebody who's been around for a while is like, I think, and think they haven't figured it out, like maybe, <laughs> but, but like, maybe if you're not breaking through the level, maybe like take any system doesn't have to be mine and really crush it. Master that one system yes and, and, and make sure you really fully realize that talent on that one system, like yes. level 10 out of 10 or nine out of 10 yeah. and then add other things to it. So, yes. cause if, because one of the things I see is they kind of Frankenstein a system together and they're actually, they're, 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 they're playing to their weaknesses without realizing it. So yes. one system is better than any. And so it doesn't have to be mine. Yeah. I, I, I totally get what you're saying. Absolutely. I really, I, I also like uh, Blake Snyder. I, I was doing, I was rereading bits of, of save the cat before, before, uh, before we chatted. Um, Cause I, I know that you're, you're, you're a big fan of his. And like one of the really, really simple things that he tells people to do um, at the very beginning of his book is, is write a log line. And, and if you have a good log line for your story, then, then you've kind of got something, you've got something to work with. And, and it, I was re as I reread that, I was like, God, that's so, so dang simple, but also like, really smart because if i could say in a sentence what the essence of the story is about then i know where this is meant i know i know where this is supposed to sort of go you know right. and every you know stories can always see changes like that but that so helpful so, i think so yeah so let me let me yeah let me make a point around this because it's really powerful. Yeah. that's step two right step one of my system of my nine step system is mm. one get clear on your superpower step two mm. is get clear on the concept as expressed yeah. through a log line um, yeah. And here's why, you, it, you, right, it's so interesting because it's so simple, mm. but like almost nobody does it. 
or they'll be like a oh, half acid or they'll only do, there's really kind of two, two uses of a log line. One yeah. is for when you're developing the story to beginning to stay on track, to make sure it's clear and cohesive. Yep. And the second is like a pitch thing that you just, you're, it's already done. You're trying to get somebody to watch yeah. the film or, or, or read the, read the, the, the script. Right. So they're yeah. two very different functions and they'll have different styles because of that. But that development log line is essential to keep you on track. And that's why I have it for step two. But here's, here's why, especially anybody that's been around the block a few times, guys, it's always about the fundamentals. Like if you look at, let's say, high level um, soccer in England, they call it football. Um, if you look at, if you, there, I, I saw this wonderful analysis. Um, a lot of the highlights is, you know, people, you know, let's say it's a, in a one, one V one situation, some guys trying to pass the other guy and you'll see, you know, the step over the, the fancy thing, the flip over the thing or whatever, like those are the highlights, but somebody did a, did a study and it's something like 98% of the time, one player with the ball is passing the other player. They use the fun, a change in direction or a change in speed. That's mm. it. Mm. That's it. Like if you can do that, you can, that, I mean, so, <clears throat> the professionals get so good at those simple things that they don't need all that. Yeah. They can do those things or whatever. And that's actually get some of the highlights or whatever, but like it's the fundamentals guys. So for screen, yeah. for, for writing novels, screenplays, anything, if you can't articulate your concept mm. in one sentence, like, like here's the thing. I've almost never read a whole script um, like people say, oh, here's my idea. And if they, and, and there's a direct correlation between the clarity and preciseness and punch of the one sentence and how I feel about the whole hundred page script. It's yeah. a direct correlation. And so, and, and it doesn't occur to us when we first start writing, because we don't, you, you watch a movie, you're not thinking concept. You're like, oh, the characters, and they're saying this and they're doing this and that's funny and blah, blah, blah. So you will go, oh, I'm going to write a script. And you just start, you know, you go like, oh, it's about blah, blah, blah. And then you start going. But if you dial in that concept, it's an mm. absolute game changer in terms of the, the quality, the speed, the, um, the, the depth and the full realization of your vision. Yes. When, when you're kind of in that, in that stage, I, I kind of want to get your, your take on the, the importance of, of making sure you, uh, making sure the, the, you understand and know what your, your theme is. Cause I think theme is also really important kind of wrapped up with with all this is understanding what your, you know, your theme is kind of what you're trying to say, in my opinion, but, um, you know, wh what is it? What what are the what are the pitfalls you see? Um, and how do you kind of help people improve in sort of understanding the importance of theme, like when you're when you're dealing with with, you know, up and coming or new writers or, you know, those who, who you know, seek out your your assistance? Yeah, theme is is really important and really tricky. I'm actually doing a training on it right now because it's such a great subject because mm. it, it's another thing that can be like a game changer if you get it right. And yeah. like an absolute time waster, like years, you can spend years if you don't have a, a, of a clear theme kind of yeah. it being a foggy sort of wandering through the woods. So um, in, in simplest terms, it's the moral of the story. What's yeah. it about? And, and there's, some really good thinking on it. This guy that I'm doing the training with, Scott McConnell, is wonderful at theme. Um, there's there's another guy who wrote a book uh, called um, The Moral Premise, Stan, Stan Williams, Stanley Williams, really good book. That one's great because it also, it 
he surveys a lot of other teachers of the craft and how they spoke mm. to theme, like like Bob McKee and other people. Uh, it's, it, there's a real density to this thing, to, to Stan Stanley's book, uh, Moral Premise, but it was really good. So, mm. but at the end of the day, just kind of like I said about system, you don't necessarily need mine or the other guys or the. You, you need your own. You need yeah. to be able to go, look, this is about X, and mm. like to my mind. Every scene in my movie is about X and the character, the per the, the, the hero goal and, and, and conflict and the finale, what happens at the end, that, that's my view of X. And yeah. so it's it's A, it's clear, and B, it's compelling. So you don't mm. be like, hey, this is about bananas, and it's just about a banana sitting on the table. It's like, okay, that's clear, yeah. right? Yeah. But like it's not very <laughs> compelling, right? Um, so you want crystal clear, and then mm. you also want something that's like, oh my God, like. You know, so, and yet it, it can be tricky and you don't want to get into a rabbit hole of, of, does it have to be expressed in words or like, mm. you know, theme, anti-theme or this or that. It's like, you want to get your hands around it enough and mm. know that there are professionals that are legends that um, either don't consciously think of theme, they do it intuitively or they will say, oh, the theme of this movie is X. And I'm looking at that movie and I don't see that theme the way that they said they saw it at all. Um, so it's there's a personal component to it. There's a subjectivity to it. But like mm -hmm. you can see it clear as day when there's lucidity and cohesiveness in a story around theme and when yeah. it's fuzzy. When it's maybe about yeah. two things. You never want to be two things. One thing. And yeah. through that one thing is a prism for all things. Yeah, yeah. Can you? I, this is gonna maybe put you on the spot. Is a can you can you think of a film or give an example of a film that just has perfect clarity with its theme? The the, the example that that is most clear for me is Shawshank Redemption, and mm. and the way I would describe that the theme of that film is is really hope, uh, yes. or hope versus despair. So um, uh, for those. For the, the for the two people out there that haven't seen Shawshank Redemption, um, <laughs> it's it's a it's a it's a prison movie came out in the early '90s, um, and uh, oh, based on a really wonderful novella story, that yeah. Stephen King wrote uh, yeah. called Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption. Yeah. Bad title, I think. There, bad title for the movie. Um, wonderful movie, um, and it's basically about this guy who's um, <clears throat> accused of murdering his wife being thrown in jail and this friendship that he has with this guy who's already a long timer in, in jail. Um, the guy that's already in jail in the movies is his name is red played by Morgan Freeman. Tim Robbins is, is Andy Dufresne, the guy that um, is accused of killing his, his wife. And the way it's structured is really powerful here guys, when you're wanting to think about theme, because Andy is an absolute um, hope machine. Mm. He kind of drives the narrative because he's basically in the, uh, in this place trying to get out um and he hopes in the beginning he hopes in the middle he hopes in the end he's hope 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 mm. um red the uh, the morgan freeman character is a man of despair in the beginning cynicism cynical is he hope you can't hope in here it'll get you killed right yeah. and then through his friendship with andy and watching the results that you get and some scenes are like you know andy's is hoping but then he gets attacked by people I mean, so it's, it's yeah. not, it's, yeah. so it's a really beautiful oscillation of who in my life, should I be hopeful or should I be in despair and, cyn and cynical? And it's a really yeah. beautiful oscillation of that experience. And I think it's why it, it hits so deep for so many people. Um, and ultimately in the end, 
Red looks at how Andy conduct his li- conducted life and looked at how he so was steadfastly showing up in hope, one situation yeah. after another after another. Red was like, you know what? I'm going to get busy living or get busy dying. And yeah. that is an expression of him learning to go from despair to hope. And then he goes and he hopes. Here's another interesting thing for the, for the, uh, mm. for the, cause I know you, you have people in your audience that write novels and, and also screenplays mm. in the novel. It ends really in the novella. Um, it ends beautifully with red on the road to see Andy. And, yeah. and he says, and it's something like, you know, I hope, I hope the, the, the skies is blue because, because, because basically um, yeah. uh, the Andy character says, I'm going to get out of here someday and I'm going to go on this beach and I'm going to do these things. Right. So then they kind of have this, this, this potential reun- reun- uh, a reunion um, in the book. He never gets there. He just, yeah. he's on the way there. He's on the bus and he goes, but, and it was really beautiful. He was like, it didn't matter that he didn't get there. It didn't matter that he didn't see it because he now was, became a man of hope without yeah. real consequence. He said, look, I may or may not ever meet him, but I am a hundred percent a man of hope. And that is a really deep lesson because it's not real hope. If like you're getting all the stuff, it's hope yeah. whether you don't know if you're going to get the stuff or not. And so yeah. the book ended that way. And I thought that was really powerful. They originally ended the movie that way where, where, um, where, you know, where uh, Morgan Freeman was on the bus heading out to, to get Andy and saying, I hope, I hope this is going to be great. I'm a man of hope. And it ends. And the audience was like, what the hell is happening? So they're pissed. And so they went and they reshot an ending. Oh, kind of saccharine in my mind. Yeah. They cut away and all of a sudden there's this big sweeping thing and music and they see Andy on the beach and then yes. Red comes over and they come in and they embrace and the F and audience goes nuts. Yeah, they yeah. loved it. So, you know, so look, I feel like, I feel like in terms of me, like if I was writing the novel or if I was writing that the adaptation, um, I mm. think they both made the right choice. I think for the novel and for me personally, mm. I like the process of being in hope and just trusting that. And like, if I really understand something, I don't need the payoff. I know it already. Yeah. And to me, that's a deeper yes. lesson, but movies are a little different. Movies are, yeah. um, they, they want to, you're, you're showing more elements and they yeah. want to see the payoff. And, um, yes. and again, I would have my own theory and then I would listen to the audience and play to the audience. And if the audience is like, dude, we don't like this. We like this one better. Mm. I think they made the right choice and said, look, this is a beautiful movie. Let's give them more of a, a feeling of completion here. Yeah. And so I think they made the right choice. That's interesting. Cause I, it's, I, I read the novella um, earlier this, earlier this year. Um, and I, and I loved it. It was, it was wonderful. It took like about 10 minutes to read. It's yeah, very, it's very, nice. very short. Yeah. Um, but it, it, it's great for all the, all the reasons, all the reasons that you've said, but it's also interesting. The ending being, you know, ambiguous as to will he will he find uh will red find his friend or not in the end um because then it sort of made me think as, as you were talking made me think of of blade runner and how that's famous for having that stupid tacked on ending in, in these in the cinematic release the original release of of yeah. uh, deckard and uh, uh rachel riding off into the sunset in this green wonderful green landscape and all, and all that kind of stuff whereas the original idea was it was meant to end <coughs> you know right after he picks up Rachel from his apartment and you see, you see the little unicorn. And it's like, well, what is, you know, what comes next is, is ambiguous. And we, we don't know. Um, 
and it's fascinating to me how like something like that where you know people wanted that people wanted that ending for blade runner and then over time it re everyone sort of began to realize that that was you know a it's not what ridley wanted um but over time the the actual ending is by far the best you know where where in my the, opinion the best yeah that's it that's the question right so yeah so and it's a great question right it's like um if we're doing this just for our own personal experience and who cares we could do exactly what we want if we're doing yeah. it at the professional level we're there in service it's about the audience and um yeah. and and it's about my interpretation of serving the audience and i am absolutely free to only mm. create partnerships and good relationships with people who want to serve an absolute super narrow audience or a gigantic right. audience i get to yeah. choose and yeah. um and you know, you, anybody listening to this might be in a, in a point in your career where you're like, no, look, I'm, I'm cool. I want to just really blow away this smaller sliver, or mm. I want to be in a place where like, I want like everybody on the planet to see this damn movie. And I want to make it as broad and beautiful. We all have yeah. Yeah. Th those different sides in ourselves, the sides, the side of us, that's a little more popular and sort of, you know, life of the party and the, and the part mm. of us, that's more of a wallflower. Right. Yeah. And so my, my invitation to anybody watching this is just know that like there's no absolute we're here to serve and yeah. you get to choose who you serve how you serve when you serve all those things and just make it beautiful in that relationship and it might mean going a little more popular or it might be going a little more artsy and yeah either way it could be perfect depending on what you're looking to get out of it yeah yeah very very true um let's sort of pivot from from theme uh, into 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 tension um, and I, cause I kind of, I kind of want to get your, um, your take on, on where, when, when you're coaching new people, what are some of the, the kind of the, the typical issues you see with the creation of tension? Um, and, and how do you basically go about resolving that and helping them improve amping up the tension for their, for their scenes? I love that question. I completely revolutionized the way I thought about tension after reading a, a Duffer Brothers script. Um, this was before they, they blew up with uh, Stranger Things. They wrote this other script mm -hmm. called Hidden that was made into a movie that wasn't all that well received. But my goodness, that screenplay was phenomenal. And so mm -hmm. I'd actually written um, uh, a draft of that alien invasion film I'd said before, and it was really short. It was like 55 pages. And it was, you know, a feature length thing. And I was like, you know, I knew that that was a flag. I wasn't like, oh no, it's wrong. It just felt like all the pieces were there, but something was going on. And I heard um, from somebody that, that the, the Duff brothers had written the screenplay and it was, the tension was really good. I was like, oh, that's interesting. Let me, let me check out what they're doing. And literally two pages in, it's an F and revelation. Wow. What they did was slowed the F down. Mm. They played with their toys lots of white space one thing and just the next thing and it was an absolute revelation in my in my page craft and i was already really experienced at that point but mm. i was like oh i get it i was like that's the question for everybody listening to this whether you're writing a novel or a screenplay it's like what is the minimal amount of words or what is the rhythm or the cadence of words that's going to deliver the emotional impact that you want or at least you know uh you know, facilitate or, or influence the, the reader or of the script or the novel to, to create the emotion in themselves. And so what I learned from the Duffer Brothers script hidden was um, fewer 
things. It's like, it's like with tension, it's like, like, think about romantic tension. Mm. You know, if it's, if it's porn, it's just bang, bang, bang. Right. But if it's really, <laughs> if it's, um, if it's something that's a romantic scene and the lovers are almost going to kiss. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. so slowing it down is, is one main simple thing you can do. And then just not too many elements. If you've got five elements in a scene, do you really need five? Mm. Try two or try one one simple thing slow it down and just notice like like try choice x and then feel into your body like i mm. feel that gut punch tension when i'm crushing it and i don't feel it when i'm either putting too much in or rushing past it or it could be too slow but usually it's not if you're mindful enough to go oh slow is often way the f more tense then you're kind of dialing it in and then you're just feeling like, wow, that's, that's really great. Um, w- one, one great example um, to me, I'm a big Stanley Kubrick fan. There's a full metal jacket poster mm. behind me. Yeah. Um, he made this movie called uh, <clears throat> uh, Barry Lyndon in the seventies. And um, it's, it's really long and slow and, and kind of a bit boring. I love Kubrick, but it was a bit boring. And yet there's a scene in Barry Lyndon where there's a duel. Mm. holy smokes it is absolutely not only my favorite stanley kubrick scene of all time my probably my favorite scene of any movie ever and they milk the living f out of that tension Mm. and it's just slow and so so that that would be the main thing if you're interested in tension my question for you is can you slow this down and use more minimalist elements and feel into your body and, it, and if that feels like, if you feel like, you know, you've done some good writing that day in tension. If you're like, you feel like you didn't like some sit-ups because your, yeah. your stomach muscles are like ripped because <laughs> you're like, oh my God. Um, that's how, that's how you know when tension's working. Um, yeah. I love that. I love that. Um, I'm, in, I'm interested as well to kind of um, uh, look at a few, just a few other things outside of, outside of theme and, and tension now. And um what what do you think is, in your opinion, the most common recurring? Maybe there isn't one particular thing, but the the most common recurring issue that 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 new screenwriters have that you help them with is it one thing or is it multiple things? I think if it's a new screenwriter. Well, let's let's get let's a little more clarity here. If it's the mm. person that's writing their very first screenplay, they want to do it, they've dreamed about it, they may have read a couple books, whatever. Like, um, my advice to them is like nothing you do is wrong, just write it and have fun. Like, literally, mm. you're gonna get so much information about yourself out of that experience. Just try to finish it, just move forward, have what like don't even worry about structure, don't even read my book, whatever. Just like just write. Like, yeah. there's a part, there's a there's a there's like that toddler period where you just have to like get up and get on your feet and fall down and get up. There's just so much like just do it for the joy of doing it. Right. Yeah. That's step one. Cause some, cause sometimes what they'll do is it's, it's perfectionism. They think they have to do this or whatever. Um, other times people are like, Oh, I had fun and they did it. Right. So, mm-hmm. but I would say phase one is just to make sure you're having fun. Actually, mm-hmm. that's probably the same thing in all the phases, but it's challenging for different ways. So let's say the three phases are very first script. Um, you know, a bunch of scripts, but you haven't broken through or you've actually then broken through at the professional level, but you're not working as much as you want. So those kind of three different things. But the number one problem in all three of those camps is you're not really 
deeply, intrinsically enjoying the flow and the process. Mm-hmm. The flow and the process when you're first starting is it doesn't matter, just go blah, 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 blah. And then, and then cause you might not even like it. You might be like, man, I spent two months reading, the, writing the script. It's whatever. And I'm like, I don't ha- ever have to write a script again ever. <laughs> and that's like, awesome. <laughs> then go do something else, do poetry or play music or just, you know, be yes. a banker. It doesn't matter. Like mm-hmm. only the people that are most deeply called to this mm-hmm. should be doing it. Otherwise do something else. That's your calling. Yeah. So that's number one. Do you even want to do this damn thing? Yeah. So from the fun, from the bliss, Stage two is no, you've written two, three, five, 15, 20, but like you can't get Hollywood to pay attention to. You can't, you're figuring, you, mm. you know, you're good, but not really great. What's going on there? Oftentimes it's the same thing. You're either, you're not intrinsically deeply into your world-class uniqueness, superpower vision of you and coming from that place. You might be doing it like overly rebellious, like F you, I'm going to do my billion dollar movie and I don't care if there's nobody can finance it. You know what I mean? Or, you know, right. or you might be chasing the market or whatever, but you, you want to be deeply soulfully connected to yourself and the kindred spirits out there that are also like you for the sheer joy of it. Yeah. And there's something you're doing to block yourself from, from mm-hmm. that place. That's number two. The third camp, when you're actually already hitting at the professional level, it's the same thing. You've, what you a lot of times there is you also go, well, look, I already made it. Now I'm entitled or I'm supposed to do it. And right. the, the rep is supposed to do this or that um, or they might you might have the secret fear that you had your fastball, but you lost it. Um, right. But it's really the same thing. It's how do I get in and go, OK, if I knew I couldn't fail, if I was going to this was going to go perfectly. What would, what would be the thing that I write and mm. how would I write it? What would my process be? Um, and so um, when you find the right system, it helps you stay into your flow state and stay into that blissful experience. And when you figure out, oh, this is a hard story problem. Do I do this? You know, again, hard story problem is a construct. We created that Mm. idea. And I invite you to kind of shift from there to like, ooh, I'm in the swamp. I'm not sure whether we go this way or that way. I'm going to breathe. I'm going to relax. I'm going to let the idea come to me. Um, But allow the process itself to be easy. It's a choice. And, and mm. people don't realize it's a choice. Um, but if we're not allowing it to be easy, it's harder to enjoy it and get real satisfaction from it. And then mm. we end up either giving up or, you know, saying it's hard or saying Hollywood doesn't like my type or blah, 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 all sorts of million excuses. When you always have a hundred percent control over, remember we talked about the very beginning, what do we control? What do we not control? We can control finding a system for ourselves. We can control yeah. the way that we write. Yeah. At every stage of our, of our process. And I promise you, even when you're going to pay lots of money and blah, 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 the number one compensation you always get is the intrinsic satisfaction of realizing your vision for yeah. life in your screenplay. Yeah, I love that because that sort of that sort of links into uh, you kind of answered it already. But the, the one of the other questions that I had uh, for you was was kind of what is what is probably one of the biggest hurdles that writers face internally and i and i feel like maybe for myself more than other people maybe but i feel like there's a uh, a sense of kind of doubt or self-doubt um about you know you your skills and and stuff like that and and really what you were just saying there with that sort of system you know the that, that swamp analogy is it's like you know you breathe in you and you kind of just you just keep you keep going instead of sort of sort of instead of give up really you you that's exactly it so so yeah. what you're saying is so like 100% of writers ever mm. <laughs> get that swampy experience yeah. 
the ones that are professionals and productive stay with it and keep moving forward. The ones yeah. that haven't learned to be at that level yet um, spiral into doubt. So oh, I'm an imposter. I can't do it. Blah, blah, blah. You know, somebody else would have known what to do. And by the way, no matter how accomplished you are, you still have those same thoughts and patterns. Like, you know, yeah. uh, you know, I'm, you know, I'm 40, 41 scripts in or something like that. And I still have days where I feel really significant fear. Mm. The difference is, you know, I'm like, hey, fear, how you doing? What are you doing here? You're here again? Yeah. All right, get out of here. No, let me write. You know, like it's a, it's a real gentle, yeah. playful internal yes. dialogue. Whereas yes. early in my life, it was it was different, you know, and it's, so yeah. it's a practice. That inner dialogue is a real practice and, and gentleness is important. Um, mm. Not taking yourself too seriously. Again, if I'm like, if I'm a writer and I can't write, then who am I? I'm fucking nothing, right? Um, right. Or like, no, I'm a human being and I'm, you know, and I had, you know, life stuff come up yeah. and like I'm... It's, you know, if something's going on in the world that's really overwhelming, how do I get to a sensitive, vulnerable place to write a story, you know? Mm. Um, and, and so sometimes, you know, if you're a professional, that's, you know, you can find a way. Um, but yes. sometimes even when you're a professional, you're like, you know what? I'm not going to do it today. I'm going to live my life and do something else and come back to it tomorrow. Um, yes. But it's the, the so it's not it's not like professionals don't have doubts. Mm. Professionals are good at dancing with those doubts. And actually, here's, a, here's another tip for everybody. Your doubts, your fears, that terror, that is your force of antagonism whispering to you on the story mm. that you're writing. So the style, the flavor of the fear that I will have in my next writing session or whatever, if I actually lean back and I listen to that energy and I personify it or I, mm. or I quantify it in some way, yeah. it's absolutely the antagonistic energy in whatever I'm writing. It's just, it's like a dream. Everything that comes in a dream, there's a, there's a way of using it into your life if you interpret it the right way. So yeah. the way that you're procrastinating, the energy of it, the style of your procrastination, it's your villain whispering to you who they are. Listen. Yeah. And then get back in and write the hell out of it. I love that. I love that. And it, I, 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 it's great because I kind of feel like we've come full circle with this conversation. I feel like the, from the, from the beginning with the roller coaster talk to this, we've kind of, we've kind of come full circle, which is probably a good time to kind of bring this to an end. Um, Brooks, I had a lot of fun uh, chatting with you about all of these topics. Um, I, I hope to have you back on in, in the future at some point. Um, where, where can people find you on the, on the internet? If they, if they so choose. Uh, I'm basically Brooks Elms pretty much everywhere. You can Google me. You can go brookselmscoaching.com. Mm. Uh, or there's brookselms-coaching.com. You know, I, I, I also like to do marketing. So I, I do, because the wonderful thing about marketing, anybody here who's, who's like a copywriter or whatever, because when we write like a novel or a screenplay, it's a long, slow feedback loop, right? Mm -hmm. um, it's a little faster if you've got a producer attached or a publisher or whatever. Um, but in the interim, again, because you have this whole thing career, if you do anything in the marketing fields or copywriting, it's really beautiful because you get a faster feedback loop. Or if you just... Mm. Get on your social media profile and express ideas and build your audience and play with your audience and dance. It's, you get a fast feedback loop. That keeps you sharp as a writer. So anyways, yeah. so that's why you could probably find something at brookselms.com or Brooks, or Brooks Elms Coaching or Brooks, mm -hmm. El, Brooks Elms Dash Coaching um, or just like on Twitter uh, or Twitter X or whatever you want to call it. I am <laughs> at Brooks Elms or LinkedIn. Yeah. I'm at Brooks Elms. Um, and and I'll give you a link to that five question self-evaluation yes. that you can do for free which will really give you an insight into like 
What's 100% of my control and what can I focus on to really make a big difference in my screenwriting career? Yes. Happy to give that to you. Cool. Yeah. And I, and anyone who's listening, check the links in the description. They'll, they'll all, they'll all be there. Find Brooks, uh, buy his book or not, but I think you should, uh, do, you know, do all the courses, do all the, do all the five steps. Like if, if you felt like that excitement, you're like, Oh my God, this thing, then, then, then buy the book. Yes. Uh, if you yes. don't, don't, but, but here's the thing, if you don't buy find something else, find somebody else that you're really excited by who really yeah. lights you up, who has some promise, like find somebody because that'll, that'll speed up your journey. When you, when you learn from somebody who's a couple steps or a lot of steps ahead. Of you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Great. Uh, Brooks, this, this was a lot of fun. Uh, thanks for listening everyone. And I'll see you next week. Adios. Bye guys. The secret Simple.